Well, we're now up to week five in our series called Identity, where we're looking at the letter to the Ephesians. Week five, but we're in chapter four now. So we've done the first three chapters, and the first three chapters have been focusing on our identity in Christ, who we are, how we are uni- have unity with God through Jesus Christ, how we can have unity together through those who believe in God. This week, we're jumping into what is actually a really big chapter in Ephesians, which is chapter 4. It's big because we've been looking at how we understand ourselves as being our identity through Christ, but it's big because it starts to get into our practical nature of what that means, of how our life can reflect our identity in Christ, what it means to live our life, live a life worthy of God. But before I dive into Ephesians, before I get into the Bible here, I will actually make a couple of comments. I want to actually talk about a few things so that you can understand where I'm coming from and why I can say these things and also who I say it to. It's all too easy to tell people that they are wrong and they haven't done something correct. Have you noticed that? Um, how it's so easy that you can point out the faults of other people, you can point out the faults and the things that they need to do, and yet you yourself, you tend to let slide the big stuff and even the little stuff. I think sometimes it's so critical, and, I, and we see it in the world, and we see it online especially, that it's much easier for people when it's anonymous, when we don't know the people involved, you know, that we can actually say nasty, horrible stuff. Now, I don't want to be hypocritical. I don't want us to point the faults out to other people and yet not look at ourselves. See, the thing is, for me, it's so important that we be people who encourage one another, that we have words of encouragement to live to the highest ideals, to actually practice what we preach, not to be hypocritical but to live out of empathy so that we can actually understand the people that we are talking with. But see, the thing when we delve into what the Bible is saying is that when we bring the good news of Jesus Christ to the world, we don't do it in a way that is condemning and critical. We do it in a way that people can open up and hear the message. So often in the world now what has happened is people have tuned out. They don't listen to the good news of Jesus Christ anymore because all they hear is criticism. And on that fact, all they hear 
is a church that is hypocritical when it tells them how they should behave. I don't know how many times I've had a conversation with people that have been outside of the church, outside of Christianity, those kind of things, and said, look at what the church has done over the years in Australia and around the world, the behaviour that it's had. Unethical, downright evil behaviour. See, the thing is, when we start listening to what Paul is saying to the Ephesians as we get into this chapter 4 today, let's not think that it's about speaking to the outside world because that's not what Paul is doing. Paul is speaking to the church. He's speaking to the believers. Paul is speaking to us here today. See, in, in, and let, let me put this into framework for you. See, in 1 Corinthians, which is not Ephesians, but it's another letter that Paul's written to the Corinthian church and correcting them, he writes this from 1 Corinthians 5 verse 12 and it says, it isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders. So he's not trying to judge those people outside of the faith. He goes, but it is certainly our responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sitting. So when we are talking about the patterns of behaviour that we're meant to have, it is not about going outside the church, it's about who we are as believers and what the patterns of behaviours that we need to aspire to, that we need to step up to. It's not patterns of behaviour that we impose on those who don't have faith. But it's patterns of behaviour that we aspire to. So let's just jump back into this into Ephesians. And let me not say this at all. Don't let me you hear this coming out from me. I'm not saying that New Beginnings has done anything wrong. And I'm not saying that I have not necessarily done anything wrong, although we are all sinners and we do fall short of the glory of God and we all strive to do this. But what I want to say is I want to encourage you, you believers, you fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in this church and in through the church throughout the world, to live a life that is worthy of God. So let's just jump into Ephesians where, where Paul starts in chapter 4, verse 1, and he says this, Therefore I, a prisoner... So we remember we go back into Paul talking about how he's a prisoner for Jesus Christ to spread the good news to the Gentiles. And because of spreading that good news to the Gentiles, he's actually imprisoned because of that. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord beg you, he's talking not about everybody else, but he's talking about the church here, beg you to lead what is a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. So Paul here is pleading with the church, individual believers, make this personal for you. I'm making it personal for myself as I say this today. Am I living a life that is worthy of the great calling that God has upon my life? Am I stepping up to this? And what does Paul think that we should be doing? As we move on into verses 2, 3 to 6, this is what Paul has for us. Always, this is, this is what, how to live a life worthy of God. Always be, what is it? Humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Great words so far, aren't they? Amazing words. 
Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Powerful stuff so far. Notice what he's not doing. He's not condemning people here. He's talking about how we behave ourselves. Be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults. He's not saying people are going to be perfect, but we're all striving to come and and live a life worthy of God, but we will have faults. We'll have things that aren't always right. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, bringing ourselves together with peace. So he comes back to that unity thing, coming back together. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future, and that's hope through Jesus Christ. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. So we come together in unity. We come together. Can you imagine what it would look like if you took this on as part of your life? To be humble and gentle. See, I love it how Paul makes humility the first step that he's talking about. I think, I, you know, as I read through the Bible, there are sometimes orders of operations that help us to actually do the other parts. And the, the reason why Paul tells us to be humble and gentle is because it allows us to actually have the rest of those attributes come along. See, out of humility, we don't then live through our own arrogance and self-inflated ego. Humility is opposite to that. It's not about placing ourselves up and saying how great I am, but it's about having a real life that's grounded and rooted in Christ. So we don't lift ourselves up by putting others down. That's not humility, is it? That's arrogance. That's saying, I'm better than you and I'm putting you down there and aren't I great? Humility says we come to a lower level. We understand who we are. We know that we have our own faults. We don't necessarily want to wear our faults as a badge, but we know that we have them. And out of that, we can see how other people can live their lives. And so, therefore, we are patient with each other. We make allowances for faults. Because why? Because we want to see our brothers not stumble, brothers and sisters not stumble and fail because we're judgmental. You know, if we come into a location where we are judgmental, what happens? If somebody starts to judge you as being, you know, you're doing the wrong thing. What happens to you personally? If I, you know, I said, oh, you've all done the wrong thing, you'd get your backs up, wouldn't you? I'd probably get my back up too, you know, if somebody said, uh, you've done the wrong thing and that's the only thing that you ever say. You know, I've been doing a bit of work around uh, the presbytery and talking about how it's so important for us to be encouraging It's incredibly important for us to be able to tell the good news of Jesus Christ in an encouraging and positive way, not a condemning way. 
And, and one of the interesting things was that um, out of a study that came through the Harvard Business School, it actually found that you need at least six positive comments to combat one negative comment. So we listen to the critical all the time and it makes a huge impact. They actually found people able to change their behaviours through that critical comment as long as it was framed, worked, with six other positive comments. And they grew and they got better at what their jobs were. So how do we be encouraging yet also claim what life we should be living? How do we be encouraging and point to the right behaviour and patterns of behaviour? See, Paul encourages the church in Ephesus to do better. He's encouraging them to step up, to make a stand, to live a life that is worthy. He's encouraging churches throughout all the world. He's encouraging believers. He's encouraging all Christians. He's encouraging us today. See, he then goes on and says in verses 11 through to 15, he has this wonderful section and he says, things are not left alone. God has given gifts to the church to encourage them, to build them up, to strengthen them, to correct them when there are problems and issues, but to encourage them and draw them to become closer to God. And see, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. And notice what they are. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. These are powerful positions because their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This is an immensely high calling on anybody who is to stand out the front of this church and teach and preach for those who do pastoral ministries and pastor and look after people within the church, for those that pronounce and hear the message of God and are prophetic, those who evangelise and spread the good news. These are powerful things for us to take on board because God is placing a lot upon the shoulders of these people to encourage, to grow the body of Christ. See, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith. So we're going to have people that are going to be teaching and preaching and bringing the message of God until we all come into unity of Christ, that we know that the knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord and measure up to all the full and complete standards of God. See, I love how he phrases that. Those who would preach, those who would teach, and see, I'm talking to myself now as much as I'm talking to anybody else right now, is that we need to measure up to the full and complete standards of Christ. So as we stand and preach, we can't be doing the wrong thing in the background. We need to stand up to the full measure of Christ. See, when we talk about this, We're not talking about those outside, we're talking about ourselves. This is not about outside the church, this is about inside the church. This is not just about the believers who come, but this is about those who lead. We need to step up and measure up to the full 
and complete standard of Christ. And then we will not be no longer immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. Notice how he puts that. So, so the thing is, if your teachers and leaders aren't schooled in the Bible, aren't schooled in what God's plan for the world, salvation through Jesus Christ and what it means to actually live a life in our modern society, if they're not schooled into that deep traditions and understandings, then you're going to flip and flop. You're going to be tossing around and there are going to be new teachings. But we stand true to the word of God found in the Bible. And we're not going to be influenced when people try to trick us with lies and clever-sounding truths because we know the truth and the foundation found in God's word. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. This is a huge calling. So maturity that Paul is talking about comes from the leaders and the leaders then impart that to the people and it flows forth. Maturity comes because the leadership is maturity. A church grows in its understanding because the leaders have grown in their understanding of maturity in Christ. We choose to live the way of Christ because our leadership chooses to live the way of Christ. This is living a life worthy of God. And now what does that actually mean? How do we start to put that into practice? I said Paul was giving us such great advice to the Ephesians and to us here today. And he puts it in here. In in Ephesians um, chapter 4, verses 21 through to 32, he has this great advice for us. And, And you should see a few highlighted sections there as they come up. And here are some of the advices, the specific advices on how we live our life that is worthy of God's great calling upon us. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learnt the truth that comes from him, throw off... So he's actually... Paul is giving a challenge to those who are believers. You actually have to throw off the old ways and take on new ways. He's not imposed this way on the world but on those who believe. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So, renew your mind and renew the way you behave. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, true, truly righteous and holy. And here comes the specific advice for each and every one of us. And this is is powerful and telling. Stop telling lies. There's a big, you know, how do you live a life worthy of God? Well, don't, don't lie to people. Be honest. Be truthful. Let us tell our neighbours the truth. 
for we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. So in other words, you know, temper your behaviour. You know how we talk about being encouraging? I was talking about being encouraging. You can't be encouraging when you're angry at somebody. Have you noticed, you know, when, when you're angry at people, you tend to say horrible things? You tend to say the mean, spiteful stuff. You don't let it, the good things flow. If you're a thief, quit stealing. This is a pretty blunt kind of thing. Stop stealing. So don't take what is not yours. And that means in lots of different ways. Our world is in such a completely different place to when Paul originally wrote this. And we often think that, oh, just the little things are okay, the things that don't seem to hurt anybody. It's actually what is the pattern of behaviour. It's what sits behind it to take, to covet what is not yours. Oh, that sounds like something from the Old Testament, doesn't it? Sounds like one of the Ten Commandments, not to covet thy neighbour's goods. You know, that's the thing. You do not keep on seeking something that you don't own. Don't take what is not yours. Don't steal. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work and then give generously to others. So, so do work. Don't just sit idly and, and give generously out of what you have to those in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. So that's, you know, the way you behave, the way you speak. I, I, I'm always shocked when I go out into the world. I don't know why I am, but I find it strange that people cannot string a sentence together without swearing. And when, and when, when you read in the Bible here the way we're meant to behave, don't use abusive, foul language then that's actually something that I need to have in my pattern of behaviour. There are times when, you know, you just want to let something slip and you're going, no, correct yourself. Change the behaviour. Change the pattern of behaviour. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. Notice this, that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Here's this again, that your words will be an encouragement. People will not hear the good news of Jesus Christ if you are negative, if you are discouraging. Be encouraged. Show the patterns of behaviour that will lift people up and say, I want a life that is different like yours. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. To the, your pattern of behaviour. You can't say, oh, I'm a born-again Christian, I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ and continue to live the same way you lived before. God actually does call you to change the pattern of behaviour. Here's some of the stuff that's there. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behaviour. Change who we are. Live a life to this high calling. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, 
forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. What an amazing, challenging, this is an immensely challenging piece of the Bible, isn't it? Because it's not just putting it out there as to something that we go, I've got an ideal, I've got a head knowledge of Jesus Christ. This is actually saying this is the patterns of behaviour that we need to live. See, the thing is, when we start to take this on board, when we start to do this, then people outside of the church will read the first Bible they will ever read, which is you. If you profess to be a Christian and behave in this way, they will see that behaviour. If you profess to be a Christian and don't change your behaviour to this way and you keep on stealing, you keep on lying, you keep on being angry and bitter and twisted, then people will not go, well, why do I want that? See, this will help people to know who Jesus Christ is and what change in your life happens because of Christ. So let us just pray. Let's just ask that we will come into this moment, our leadership of our church will live up to this high ideal, and I'm talking about myself and I'm talking about our other leaders, that will live up to this high ideal, that will reflect the faith and belief in Jesus Christ our Saviour and our lives will reflect that in our actions. Let us just pray that we will bring our sense of hope and encouragement because of what Christ has done in our lives into our very patterns of behaviour. So let's just pray. Our Lord God, we give you thanks for this moment. We give you thanks that you lead us here to this church, that you lead us here to this passage in the Bible, that you led Paul to write this to encourage the Ephesian church and all churches throughout history to step up and live a life worthy of God. God. Help us, O Lord, to live a life that reflects our faith, to live a life that reflects our belief, to live a life that mirrors Jesus Christ, who is our Saviour. May, Lord, we bring hope. May, our Lord, we bring encouragement within our family, to our friends, to our fellow believers, to the world around us, through our thoughts, our minds, our actions, our behaviours. May our lives be worthy of you, our Lord, our God and our Saviour. Amen.